Welcome to Simple Truth Love, a place where we talk about self-leadership, self-care, and self-love. With the hope that our self-help conversations might inspire you to look at fundamental well-being practices. Here, we'll dissect powerful words and explore how those words can enable or disable us from being our best selves. And contemplate things together that make us be the best we can be. I'm Cindy Bradshaw. And I'm Rochelle Doyle. And today we are going to be talking about imagination. And we have Donna Soldano with us today. Donna has over 20 years experience as a licensed marriage and family therapist and board certified registered art therapist. Donna's private practice in Fair Oaks, California specializes in children, teens, young adults, and individuals seeking support and guidance to better understand themselves and the challenges they are experiencing in their lives. In addition to talk therapy, Donna invites clients to explore through art because she believes art is healing and the process of creating art and having witnesses to your process can promote self-expression, self-awareness, and can access non-verbally that which we cannot always access through verbal communication, allowing for growth and healing. Donna believes in an individual's innate well-being to heal and grow. She encourages and supports her clients to connect with this innate well-being to guide them through life's challenges and empower clients to trust themselves as guides for how to best care for themselves. And today we are going to be looking into imagination. And imagination is defined as the faculty or action of forming new ideas or images or concepts of external objects not present to the senses. Donna, before we even get started, I can imagine a lot of things, but honestly, I have no idea. What is art therapy? Well, thank you, first of all, Cindy and Michelle, for having me today on your podcast. I'm really happy to be with you both today and to have an opportunity to share about art therapy. Art therapy is really the blending of art and psychology, aspects of visual arts, the creative process, human development and behavior and personality are all part of the scope of art therapy. It kind of brings all these disciplines together. But art therapy really asks you to explore your inner experience and your feelings and your perceptions and your imagination. So by creating the art and talking about the art, they're talking about themselves and they're beginning to see things maybe in different ways that are less guarded. So how did you get into this? Well, art has always been a part of my life growing up. I am from a family of six and all my brothers and sisters, we've always made art and it was really a part of a way for us to comfort ourselves. We had a kind of a challenging home life. So I sought comfort in making art at times and was just really a place for me to escape to at times and also express a lot of my feelings. So when I first took my first psychology class freshman year, I was really intrigued by psychology and I can't seem to get enough of learning about the human experience. And through the library, I found art therapy and was like, wow, this is what I want to do with my life, connecting art and psychology. This is a thing. This is amazing. This is <laughs> what I was meant to do, I think. So that kind of started me on my track and really 
recognized how healing art had been in my life and the thought of being able to help others to heal through art the way that art had always helped me come back to myself was really what got me started on my path. That sounds amazing. So Donna, why did you choose the word imagination to dissect today? Well, when I think about art therapy and imagination is one of the first thing that comes to mind. I feel like imagination is really how we create our realities through being able to imagine and create new possibilities. We allow ourselves to really shift and direct our life in that direction. Through that imagination process, it begins to open up new ways of looking at the problem. What about you, Rochelle? I really think that imagination is important because we've already sort of talked about dreaming of a better future and looking over how to have better problem solving. I think that those are two things that you can't do without an active imagination. It's also kind of to me about getting your brain out of relying on everything that you've seen before, everything that you know, and just reimagining a different future. It reminds me of that Albert Einstein quote, knowledge is limited, but imagination is limitless. I think it's about that you can gain knowledge and you have those facts in your brain. But if you can use your imagination to imagine new possibilities in life, working that muscle really strengthens all the possibilities, right? It's limitless. You can think of all sorts of different scenarios. And that's really what critical thinking is all about. That's why I really love for children to have play-based programs because they are strengthening that imagination muscle. And that is the very thing that is going to create them to be this really lifelong critical thinker. So our imaginations, I think, are where we hold our big dreams and endless possibilities. If we hope and can create it, then we're, we're going to be guided in that way. And in just the same way, I think if our imaginations are that things are going to be terrible and never going to get better and everything's going to be devastating, then most likely our path will guide us in that way also, unfortunately. So we have a lot within us to empower ourselves in the direction that we want to go through our imagination. It's like a superpower. Yeah. The imagination. It really is. Yeah. So Rochelle, do you have a story of a time where imaginations helped you with self-care, self-leadership, self-love? Reading to me is a place where I usually go when I want to turn a little bit more away from whatever is bugging me and get lost. And I can just imagine the characters that are there. And also, I guess a story that's more current, my physical health right now, I'm imagining being in better shape. Therefore, I got up this morning and I went to the gym. And that, the only reason why is because I'm imagining that I can be a, a healthier person. The reason why I chose to have eggs and spinach today is because I'm imagining that maybe my stomach won't hurt after I eat. Yeah. What will happen if I eat a whole bunch of cheese? <laughs> Good point. How about you, Donna? Do you have a story about a time where imagination helped support your self-leadership, self-love, and self-care? Yes, I think that's true in terms of what you were saying, Michelle, about our bodies and our you know, our minds in healthy directions by imagining. 
for me, the story that first comes into my mind is reference to finding my private practice. About 25 years ago is when I first came upon art therapy. And at that time, I imagined, wow, someday I would love to have a beautiful space full of light and warmth and really safe place for people to practice art therapy. And it's taken me a long time. So I feel like, you know, in terms of self-leadership, my imagination led me to believe in what I could imagine for myself. And listening to myself was a way of self-love and, and trusting that I could have and deserve what I imagined. And I feel like I care for myself each day in just showing gratitude for what I have. So do you feel like there's a link between imagination and manifestation? Yes. Yes, I do. Imagining it is kind of like how I imagine like the seed. You know, you would plant the seed. You start to imagine the picture in your mind, maybe the the surrounding or maybe the feeling you might have. And then manifesting, I think, is kind of the branches, the roots that grow out from that seed. You're searching, you're looking, and you're noticing. The manifesting is the noticing and the reaching out from that seed, that original imagination seed that you had. So I do think that they're connected. So how I use my imagination for self-care, self-love, self-leadership is I learned in my the Yale University class, Science of Well-Being, that just thinking about a situation, maybe it's a memory you used to have or something that you want to see in the future, can give you the same feelings of happiness as if you were actually like in that, like just recalling that moment. So when I feel super anxious or like unsafe in any way, I try to bring my mind back to something that makes me feel super secure. And one of those things that I think about is when my kids were little, if they saw like I was sad or something, they would both come out and go like mommy sandwich and they would run and both hug me and, and just like hug me so tight. And it was like the best feeling ever. Like, like I just, this is, this is everything. This is the world, you know? So if I recall that when I'm in that anxiety, unsafe kind of place, it just completely changes that around. And I have to imagine that my kids are doing a mommy sandwich, right? Like it's so important for me to use my imagination when, when I'm not feeling, you know, my best to kind of shift my emotions. That's so funny because I think that it was you and I that went through a journal activity some years ago where they had asked us to come up with a list of five things that bring up positive emotions. And I remember that one of them was hot chocolate from this little cafe in San Francisco that I love. And another was the smell of the ocean. And I ended up putting it in my office on the wall so that when I was stressed out and going through one of my moments, I could look over and I would think, oh, hot chocolate from that little cafe. But then what a couple of the things that were on there were about my relationship that I was in. And when we broke up, every time I was working in my office and looking over stressed out, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that reminds me of that time that I'm now sad about. So I threw it away. But it's probably time to redo redo something like that. 
Yes, it's amazing. And even just how we sometimes have a, a smell or a taste that brings an imagination or a memory and you can, you know, you just find yourself smiling or just like, oh yeah, it can take you back. It's so powerful. It really is. Yes. So my grandfather always smoked a pipe with tobacco in it. Mm -hmm. And anytime I walk by someone that is like that smell just completely takes me back. Um, I remember my grandfather. It's just, it's amazing how powerful smell can be. I know. Yeah. For me, it's fresh cut grass. It just reminds me of getting off the school bus when I was little, (laughs) like right there. And it reminds me of my brother and It's just, yeah, it's really amazing, that connection and the power of the imagination. We really harness a lot of that within us to shift things for us in our life. So what role does imagination play in leadership? Well, I was thinking about kind of a current event with the president of the Ukraine and and how, you know, he has this narrative that the world is seeing his imagination of the strength of Ukraine and, and Leaders, they hold a vision and they believe in that vision and that imagination. And then they share that with others and continue to build on that. And if they weren't able to hold that imagination or that guidepost, then I think that it would be hard for them to lead. And I think all of us, you know, at some point in our lives lead through our imaginations because we have to create, you know, something for us, for our life, to change the world, to change our job, to change our relationships. And so imagination, I think, for leaders, even authors or artists, you know, it's all about creating and then sharing that and being guided by that vision and believing in that in a strong way that you can communicate that to other people. I agree. I think I don't feel like I have enough ideas and having brainstorm sessions with my team are huge. They help me to get outside of my own perspective and imagine the best possible future from getting other people's input. And then two, for me in leadership, one of the things that I really like to do is look at my teammates and visualize their best role within an organization. Because I think that there's kind of two Well, there's several philosophies behind leadership, but sometimes we work really intentionally for the organization and try to put circles in square holes. But if you have a circle and you're looking to fulfill a square, we've talked in previous episodes about the middle path. What is it that we can do to help one person really succeed in an organization And what don't we need or what else do we need to hire out for? I think is the imagination opportunity. Cindy, how about you? What role do you think leadership and imagination play together? Well, it makes me think when I used to teach career planning classes, there's something called the superhero stance. You've probably heard about it, where if you stand like you're a superhero before you go into an interview, you will have more confidence. So It's amazing how imagining your body in a certain way can actually create that muscle memory in your mind carries through in the interview. So I think for leadership, imagining confidence and imagining different traits of a leader, um, even if you don't maybe feel that at the moment, you can imagine 
that you are more confident and you will be confident. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really, we have so much within us. And I think it really, to tap into that and to know that it can really be life changing. I used to do this thing that I learned from a mindfulness class. If you're walking into a tense meeting and you knew that some of the people in the meeting were outside of your comfort zone or that there was a strenuous relationship, you could put this protective bubble around yourself. Like imagine a protective bubble. And then the exercise was that when you walked into the meeting, you expand your bubble and include the nearest people or include the safest people to be in your bubble. But through just meditative practice, expand the bubble until your bubble filled the whole room. And it actually worked for me when I was really nervous. I would just slowly work on my bubble and then say, okay, you are in my bubble now, so you can be a part of the conversation until I'd taken over the whole room. I can't help but picture you in one of those, you know, they play that bubble soccer where you go yeah. in those big <laughs> bubbles. Yeah. I just am picturing Rochelle going into a room with one of those bubbles <laughs> on and doing a presentation. Emotionally, that's what I did. <laughs> that's what my imagination is doing. Yes. I think too, you know, as a therapist, you're meeting with people that have a lot of intense emotions at different times. And, you know, we were kind of trained, you know, to imagine and to think about how we can protect ourselves so that we're able to help people. And so that was one of the visualizations as a therapist to kind of imagine yourself having some protection so that you're not absorbing necessarily the emotions, but that you're able to keep yourself grounded so that you can help others. And oftentimes for me, my imagination before I work with a client is just to imagine this warm light moving in through my body where I can just be in a grounded, centered flow and be present and ready to be the best kind of listening person that I can be for them. So those imaginations, I think, really bring us inward and allow us to connect with ourselves and to listen to how we want to be in the world with others. So Donna, can imagination contribute to overcoming trauma or anxiety? Yes, I believe so. And I just was reading recently this art therapist named Bruce Moon once said, by making art and using your imaginations, we may find relief from fears, anxiety, and depression and discover new meaning in our lives. I really feel like at some point, we've probably all experienced a moment where we're challenged to express ourselves through words, and art therapy people are encouraged to express what they can't say in words through drawings and paintings and other art forms. And sometimes it serves as a way to be able to communicate painful memories, trauma, or abuse that people can't maybe consciously accept the reality of to communicate verbally, mm -hmm. because art expression is not like language. It's not linear. There's no real rules to language, you know, like grammar and logic and syntax. It can express really complex things simultaneously. And it can really help to allow people to remember or recollect things that maybe had been blocked out that they 
haven't been able to access. Right. Like, so maybe I'm not ready to process Mm -hmm. externally or verbally something that I've been through, but it has a way of coming out through maybe a paintbrush or dancing. Yes. Yes. And I think it can come through sometimes through our dreams. You know, there's a real connection between that unconscious process, art therapy, and that unconscious process with our minds are amazing, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, they're so amazing. You reminded me of something when my kids were little and they'd have bad dreams. I started giving them what I called antidote. So before they went to bed, I handed them like an imaginary, like I'd say, here's your antidote for tonight that if you have a bad dream, you can throw it at the dream and it will go away. And it worked miracles. And, you know, they got creative with it too. They like, my daughter would say, oh, can I have some purple green sparkly antidote tonight? Like she was like, <laughs> like had, like there were different types now <laughs> of the antidote yeah. that she could throw <laughs> at her dreams at night. But it's just like so amazing that something like that really helped them stop having bad dreams because they imagined they had this like secret little sparkly thing they could throw at the dreams. And it's just fascinating that your brain can do that for you. Yeah, it really lets you know, you know, that we're much more than, you know, just our physical, you know, that we have this ability to kind of go to these more complex places to heal and take care of ourselves. One way that imagination can contribute to trauma and anxiety is one of the things that I've often thought when I'm super stressed out is, will this matter in one year? And it kind of helps me to put perspective on things to say, okay, if this realistically isn't going to matter in one year, then you're stressed out right now, but let's Mm -hmm. lower your heartbeat a little bit, do some deep breathing, and then decide how to proceed. If it is going to matter in one year, then I can think about, all right, what do I need to do to make it better and work from there? It just gives me kind of a grounding point of, let me imagine where I'm going to be one year from now. Because sometimes it's something that totally doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am super irritated at a friend for something that they did or something I perceived that they did. Not going to matter in a year, likely. Either we will or we won't be friends and I will probably be over it by then in some fashion. But if my car has been totaled and I'm dealing with head pain, okay, well, let me go to the doctor. Let me call my insurance company. You know, it's just looking at it from that angle. Yeah, that's a great way to use your imagination. And that's really, I think, what allows you to, like you said, you decrease your anxiety Mm -hmm. just by your self-talk. And I I just will share this. I had a client recently who came in and was really anxious about uh, a relationship that she was fearful that she had harmed, that this relationship might be broken in some way. And she's, you know, sharing how she really didn't feel like it was really in character how she reacted. And she was afraid that because of the way she reacted, she would have lost this relationship. So I asked her to draw herself the feeling and in in whatever way, lines, shapes, and colors of how she was previously in the relationship. And then when she completed that, I had her write a few adjectives to describe that. And then I had her draw alongside how she felt now through lines, shapes, and colors. And and then she described that picture through some adjectives and colors. And then I asked if she could change that in any way. What would she add or take away or do to, to shift that? 
picture so that it would feel better to her in some way. And so she added different shapes and colors and lines. And by talking about how she was going to change the artwork, the same kind of language came through and she started to have these different ideas and possibilities of how she would communicate differently to this person in her relationship. And by the time she left the office, she had all these ideas. Oh, I know how I'm going to talk to them and I'm going to try to repair this relationship now. And there was a noticeable change in her anxiety around it. She felt more prepared. She had some ideas and that all came from her. And through shifting the artwork and starting to see the possibilities, she could take that into real life. That is so powerful. And I'm glad you told that story because it really ties two things together that I think aren't often correlated, which is fear and imagination. Fear is the negative manifestation of imagination, but using art to break that down visually and disrupt the fear pattern and interweave an opportunity pattern is such a a nice opportunity. It's really powerful. And to be a witness to it is such an honor as a therapist to witness someone's process and to witness when they have these aha moments that, you know, they're not from me, they're from them. And I, I just get to be along their journey with them. How does imagination contribute to the larger community outside of yourself or even in the entire world? Art is all over and it's been part of our history for so long. You know, the great inventors, philosophers, artists, educators, etc. They had to find ways to communicate and express their imaginations to the world in order to have them come to life. And so I think it's through sharing our imagination that allows things to happen and change and grow or develop. You know, a lot of that potential that I just told you about in one individual, I think that potential to bring positive changes in the outer world is also possible to change neighborhoods, inner cities, communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this author, Susie Gablick, in Reenchantment of Art, she notes that a lot of artists are making art as if the world mattered. And, you know, through people's pain and suffering and being able to express that and connect with communities and, and other people, it can help to shift and grow awareness about the collaborative collective of humanity and and how we are all very connected and very much the same in so many ways as human species. And one good example I, I heard about is at Sac State, there was this through the Center on Race, Immigration, and Social Justice. They launched a online art exhibit, May 2021. So that was kind of during the pandemic. And it highlighted the work of artists, and they were spotlighting issues on social, political, economic disparities, and barriers to freedom and opportunity. And one of the exhibitors said, you know, the goal of the project was to share knowledge and present visions of a more just future. So I think that, you know, really believe that these imaginations that we can create through our art and not just through visual art, but through dance and music and movies, and it can really make shifts possible and bring our communities and societies together to make change. Yeah, art so inspires, you know, I think of like John Lennon's Imagine, right? That song, how many people that song has touched 
And that was like his imagination. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? Rachel? I'm laughing because I have no idea what song this is. <laughs> you would know. know it. It's a very famous song. If I heard it. I'm not going to say, look at all the people living. We're not going to put down on the podcast. Yes, we are. But it's just amazing. One piece of art can inspire so many people to be better in the world and to think differently. So I think that's really cool. I also feel like imagination is the power of what if, kind of what you were saying earlier with Sac State. Imagination is what it looked like if everyone belonged in the world. What if there was an internet? Like whoever thought of that? (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) I know. So what activities can you do to cultivate a more active imagination? Journaling, drawing, painting, dancing, writing, you know, reading books, like you said, Rochelle. You know, it starts to activate our ability to vision pictures and maybe things that we might want to do in our lives and to kind of take walks and slow down and really notice in nature and little animals and to find wonder in your day in people and in the things around you. I think it begins to open up and cultivate your imagination because it opens up your inner life a little bit, which you know, in turn will express through your imagination and your ability to then actuate your imagination into reality. Rochelle, what takeaways do you have from this podcast? So my biggest takeaways today are that imagination is problem solving. That I, I, yeah, I can use my imagination to problem solve and that journaling, drawing, painting, it just seems like a ton of fun. And I can use that to help cultivate my imagination. Cindy, how about you? Yeah, that it's all within me. You know, it's all within my reach at any time. And I can, you know, access that to to change, you know, what I want to change in my life. So it's it's pretty exciting. Donna? Yeah. Yes, uh, very much like you, Cindy. Just that awareness and knowing that we have all that we need that lies inside of us and that if we really really listen to ourselves and our knowing that comes from within us we trust what we know is authentic and true that will be will guide it to that innate well-being that's within all of us and it's hard to listen sometimes when there's a lot of chatter around us but if you can recenter and check in with yourself from time to time through your imagination and you know we can do so many powerful things to shift our thoughts and heal our pain and change our world by imagining new things. And so if you can imagine it, you can begin to create it, I think. Donna, thank you so much for being with us today. This was such a great conversation. Thank you both so much for having me. Do you have a quote that you can take us home with? Yes, I do. This is from Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. It says, our wishes foretell the capacities within ourselves. They are harbingers of what we shall be able to accomplish. What we can do and want to do is projected in our imagination, quite outside ourselves and into the future. We are attracted to what is already ours in secret. Thus, passionate anticipation transforms what is already possible into dreamt-for realities.